0: Welcome back, Initiates, to the final episode of Season 1. Congratulations on making it this far, as today we will be covering the uh, actual game of Assassin's Creed Revelations. And at the end of this episode, all of you, including my fellow co-host here, Josue, will be rising up in the ranks of our order. Aw yeah. I hope you guys are excited for this, because I know I am. This has been a a wonderful journey, and it's been something that has been a dream of mine to have my own group of recruits here. And now it's finally true. It's finally come to fruition. So thank you all for being here. (laughs) Do you have anything to say to our initiates before uh, they finally rise up, Josue?
1: I guess this is the Codex
0: (laughs) podcast. (laughs)
1: You are Marquides. I am Jose Cardona. We love Assassin's Creed. I can't believe this is almost over. Season one is almost over. (gasps) Let's do this. Let's do this thing.
0: I would have thought you had had some words of wisdom. I mean, you are a rank above them. Have my teachings taught you nothing? I'm honestly still confused about
1: the ranking system. Hopefully you can explain it uh, a little later (laughs) during graduation.
0: Yes, I will I will go through <laughs> in depth as to what the the ranking system is, but it is for me to understand and for you to just work your way through.
1: I'm I'm starting to <laughs> disagree with my mentor. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. All right. Well, let's let's get right into Assassin's Creed Revelations. And in this game, we finally end off the Ezio trilogy.
1: Well, we we talked about Revelations last time. And we talked about all of the, everything that happened with Desmond. So now all we have left to talk about is the Ezio,
0: the actual the game.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the, actual, the actual game. You said the actual game before. I like I don't, I don't know the actual game, but uh, I know what you mean.
0: The main, the main, the main chunk of this of this game, you know. Yeah. Where all the meaty parts are. My favorite story so far. Yeah, Exactly. All right, so let's get into this. Um, I'm going to do my brief little overcap here. So by this point now, um, this is picking up right, almost right after Brotherhood. Actually, not right after, but it picks up after Brotherhood. Um, Ezio, at this point, is in his early 50s, and he's traveling to Masayaf, which, if you guys remember, was the home of the assassins during Altair's time during the Third Crusades but he is traveling there to hopefully find Altair's library which is uh, rumored to have insurmountable amounts of knowledge and Ezio wants to f- learn about the truth behind the assassins the the meaning behind their conflict and how does it all end because surely Altair has to know he's the mas he was the most legendary assassin around um but upon Arriving in Masayaf, he's ambushed by a bunch of Templars who are also there to uh, find the library and break into it. Um, and I thought this, they had
1: taken over Masayaf. I thought it was like a, a Templar base now.
0: No, they. I mean, they did take it over, but they took it over to find the library and break into it. And the the guy that was in charge of it had this book, and this book was supposedly a map or a guide to find all the keys that are needed to unlock the the door to the library. Because they end up finding the door, but they can't break into it. It needs these five special keys. Yeah. Um so Ezio in good old fashioned assassin style uh goes after the head honcho in charge, kills him, takes the book, and I think he No, he doesn't take the first key. He takes the book and he goes to Constantinople, because that's where he learns that all the keys are at. And so throughout this game, he meets the Turkish assassins and you know gets acquainted with all of them. He gets introduced to the hook blade and is taught how to use that along with bombs. By Yusuf. Yes, by Yusuf Tazim. Arguably the best NPC character around. He's pretty good. I, like I say him, right? he's even better than Leonardo, to be honest. <laughs> he also... Uh, gains a friendship or some sort of uh, I don't know what you call it a business relationship with Prince Suleiman
1: Uh, I don't know Hmm.
0: it's weird it's a a complicated relationship but they end up forming some sort of alliance allegiance whatever you want to call it um, after Ezio saves his life and um, from there he also meets Sofia Sartor who owns the Niccolo Polo uh, trading post which actually houses the first key that Ezio needs to get back into the library and then with Sophia's help um, he uh, eventually finds the rest of the keys while of course helping out Prince Suleiman uh, taking out more Templars and discovering that the two rivaling uh, princes for the, the throne of the Sultan which is Suleiman's d- dad And his uncle, Uh, they end up finding out that his uncle is actually the leader of the Templars and was the mastermind behind everything, including Suleiman's uh, foiled assassination attempt. And of course, you know, it's the, the whole the whole shebang of they reveal themselves. They get all the keys. They're trying to go to the library. Ezio has to stop him. Eventually does stop him, but actually doesn't kill him. After their the final conflict in the battle, um, you know Ahmed, who is the the uncle, asks Ezio, so how does this end? And Ezio's like, I was wondering that myself. And just then, Ahmet's brother Suleiman's dad shows up with his art uh, with his uh, guards and elite, uh, personal bodyguards, the Janissaries. Um, they all arrive, and Ahmet's kind of surprised that they're there because he's like, you guys are only supposed to serve the sultan. Where is he? And that's when his brother's like, hey, dad made his choice because he's dying. He's basically dead. And then he ends up choking out his brother and throwing him off a cliff. Isn't that just a happy family right there? Yeah. <laughs> and after this, uh, Ezio, now having all five keys, uh, heads to Masyaf now with Sofia.
1: Before we do that, I wanna I wanna Ooh. Ooh. check in and say that the the way that this story is told I really like because even from the beginning, uh, Ezio is writing letters to his sister Claudia, who, who we don't see in the game, but she's like with us, right? Because Ezio, at the beginning of every chapter, he, he's really telling her the story of what's happening. And we, we get a lot of insight into how he's feeling and how he feels about Sophia and what he's going through, through these letters over the years. And I really, really, really like that. Um, that's that's different from from the other games. And it's a great, like, storytelling element. Also, the way the game opens with, like, that badass cutscene at the beginning was, was really good I'm at Masiaf. Uh but then the way that the keys work too, right, is also a, a like a storytelling element that is that is so freaking cool. But uh go ahead, continue. We get yeah. to Masyaf. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, and trust me, I, I we'll 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 take a chance to get in deep dive and, and everything else. But uh just to kinda of quickly wrap everything up here, uh and this is actually this ending part is probably my favorite ending out of all the games. Um as Ezio and Sophia are walking up to the castle in Masayaf now, um Ezio is explaining the creed to Sophia and explains the meaning or at least his interpretation of their maxim of nothing is true, everything is permitted. And I will go more into that uh, in a little bit here, just because it's my absolute favorite thing in the entire world. But after they walk into the castle uh, and Ezio solves the puzzles with the five keys uh, needed to unlock the door, he heads into the library and discovers nothing. There is no books. There is no hidden knowledge there. All that's left is a skeleton with another key. And the skeleton is none other than Altair. And it, it's in this moment that Ezio and Altair finally meet. And Altair's apple is actually revealed to Ezio. And then Ezio goes to interact with it, but then ultimately decides not to and to leave it where it is. And from this point on, retires from the assassins. It's as soon as he retires from the assassins that the Apple actually does activate and Ezio speaks out to Desmond. And from there, this is where this sync nexus um, is happened, which we discussed in our last episode with Subject 16. Uh, This is when it's triggered and we get a nice little uh, snippet of how things were like in the life before the first great catastrophe, which we will talk about. Another badass cutscene. Yes, which we will talk about in a little bit as well, because I know Josué probably wants to talk all about the first civilization.
1: So there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about. That's that's the game in a nutshell. But one of the one of the coolest parts about this game is that the keys are actually technology from the ones who came before and altair i'm guessing through studying the the apple for so many years like he like like he was wielding the apple at this point right uh well um, towards the end of his life but uh so he he discovers this technology and he's able to record memories onto each of the keys so every time you find one of the keys you actually go back and see altair so it's like we're, we get to revisit him, right, and and see his life uh, after the, the first game. That is so freaking cool. So I'd, I'd like to review what, what happens in each of those keys. Can we do that?
0: Oh, yeah, of course. Would you like to do the honors of taking over the first key?
1: Yeah. So the first key, I believe, uh, takes us back to 1190 where um, – there's an attack on Masyaf and Altair is leading everybody and uh, I believe there's a traitor named Harris and uh, Altair like saves everybody and you see him like being a leader and being the the Altair, right, that we never got to see uh, after you know, like that we assumed happened or, or, or what he became after Assassin's Creed one they're kind of short but they're 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 good
0: yeah yeah and so the second one picks up um immediately after the first game ends um in terms of altair's life where altair carries you know al-mualim's body onto a pyre and then proceeds to light it on fire which the assassins themselves are actually very like upset about because that's not their way they don't burn bodies Uh, But Altair is like, listen, like, this could be another one of his tricks. I need to make sure that this is the real Al-Mualim. And at this point, then Abbas, who has been sort of like Altair's arrival, their whole childhood and whole life, uh, tries to take the apple and tries to start a rebellion against Altair for murdering Al-Mualim, but is actually overcome by the apple. And it's it's until Altair can reclaim the apple that um, Abbas is kind of like, He's like, listen, I'm sorry. I didn't know what that thing was going to do. And then, you know, kind of collapses, like passes out sort of.
1: Yeah. And he burns the body.
0: Yeah. And then the body still burns. Third key. The third key
1: takes us to 1228. And this is right after uh, defeating Ganges Khan. Um, The, let me see. Apparently, uh, at this point, he's married already to a woman named Maria. He has two kids, Darim and Seth. And Abbas is still being a pain, right? And uh, we find out that Altair... uh, uh, Altair finds out that Abbas had usurped command from Altair. um, And that his son, uh, Seth, was actually murdered by by Abbas's right-hand man. And we see, uh, we see Altair and Maria going to confront Abbas. Uh, and he even, like, he even uses the, the apple, but he's, he's a lot older now and they attack him and there's a fight and they end up killing Maria. And it's, it's super sad, (laughs) but, uh, it's basically like Altair's fall from power. So after that, um, like everybody is like Abbas made everybody turn on him, uh, his 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 son they told i think they said that he had killed his son too which was part of the reason why he was able to get people to turn on him maria died and he was able to escape with with his other son very sad
0: yeah um just uh just a little um knowledge on maria um if you remember from assassin's creed one right before you're supposed to murder robert and you find uh and when you go to him you learn that it's a decoy and it was actually that woman that's Maria. And uh-huh. uh, it, there's a little database for, for her in, in Revelations that you can read. And uh, in that uh, database entry, you learn that after the fact, like, you know, they after that whole incident, you know, they still kind of like were seeing each other, but she was still caught up in the Templar way of thinking. And so that they were still at at odds with each other. But Altair was very calm and very patient and slowly opened her eyes to the wrongings of the Templars and made her, and converted her from a Templar to an assassin. Pretty cool. If yeah. that isn't true love, I don't know what is. I don't know. <laughs> so, the fourth key is um, sort of Altair's rise to power again. At this point, he's a very old man and Now he's coming back to Masayaf after being exiled for so many years. Uh, He comes back now to finally deal with Abbas because uh, Abbas has basically turned the assassins into some sort of group of, I don't know, hooligans. Like, you can't, like, there are some assassins that even state that, you know, half the people here are true assassins. A lot of them are just mercenaries or just ruthless killers. And so um with some of the assassins helps that you know were loyal to Altair he makes his way to the castle and uses his newly crafted hidden gun to take out a boss and become the leader of the assassins once more. Yeah,
1: the assassins weren't weren't big fans of Abbas anymore. So, he was able to recruit people and get in there.
0: Yeah, and and it's important to note that it's in this memory that you kind of learn a little bit more as to why Abbas had hated Altair all these years. And supposedly, um, what had happened was when when Altair was little, Abbas's father had come to Altair and apologized because it was Abbas's father's fault that Altair's father ended up getting killed. Like, he had broke and spoke and gave away some information to their enemies. And after doing so, Abbas's father had committed suicide, which at that time was a um, very taboo thing, something that, you know, was like the worst of the worst, that he had lost his honor. And when Altair spoke of this when they were kids, Abbas couldn't believe it and hated Altair for the fact that he would disgrace his father and his family that way but when Abbas is dying Altair reveals to like recounts this again to him and says but listen it was in that moment that he did like that he came to me and revealed this to me that he regained his honor that he died like a true assassin because yeah, he may have broke the code and he may have compromised the brotherhood but he still redeemed himself in the end. And then that's when Abbas is, as as he's dying says, you know, if there is an afterlife, I'm gonna find my father and find out the truth. And when I do when it's your time, we'll find you and there's no, there won't be any doubts then we'll all know the true story. Yeah. So it's sad but also kind of heartwarming because you realize that it was all just some misunderstanding and some some guy that's just really just wanted to redeem his honor or his family's honor after feeling so disgraced by Altair yeah kind. that's one way of putting it I mean it's <laughs> I don't know how else to put it
1: yeah yeah
0: but it's something it's something it, it doesn't make <laughs> you feel like no it makes you sympathetic a little bit I guess that's better it makes you a little sympathetic uh, it does a little. A, a little. little. I'm not saying a yeah. lot. Just yeah. a
1: little. Yeah. But just like his pride and his arrogance, you know, made it, made so many mm-hmm. horrible things and killed his son, you know, killed Altair's son. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm barely sympathetic, but the fact exactly. that Altair is super old at this point uh, makes it a little easier to, <laughs> <laughs> to be sympathetic for, for a boss because they're having that conversation. It's like, how many decades was that feud going on? You know?
0: yeah, I mean, basically their entire lives.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, fifth key.
1: Fifth key. All right. So this is a very important key. It is. So uh, very old <laughs> Altair is um, saying goodbye to his friend uh, Niccolopolo and his brother. And as uh, he says goodbye to them, he gives them something, his journal, called his codex.
0: Oh, Yeah. <gasps>
1: Oh that's where the name comes from. So he gives them his codex and he gives them the five keys and tells them to hide them. And that's how we know, uh, that Altair, like, had the, the the this whole plan and this idea, right? That, you know, hide them so that the person who who is meant to find them or who needs to find them can find them. And so we know that it's Apolo who then created all of those, um, what what do we call them? They're not they're not vaults where they're where the keys are hidden, but they're like t- tombs, like in Tomb Raider. They're not. They're not tomb- <laughs> I forgot what they're called, but uh, they are they are elaborate set <laughs> pieces meant to to hide the the keys, and so that's kind of how the plan uh, where where that plan comes together. Am I missing something from that one?
0: No, no, uh, I, I think uh, that was pretty good.
1: Yeah, and so those are the five, right, that, that we that we need to open the door. So then once uh, Ezio finds the fifth one, we see those stories, and he goes back to Masyaf, opens the library, finds out it's not a library, finds, uh, finds Altair. Altair has a sixth key in his hand.
0: Yes, and it's in this sixth key that uh, Ezio kind of looks into where it is revealed at this point, now Altair is like 91, 92, and the Mongol forces are approaching Masayaf. They're going to be there, you know, within within a few hours, maybe, I don't know. But they're going to be there very, very soon. And so Altair had ordered the entire town be evacuated. All that's left is really just, you know, his son, Darim, and them, and him. And he's saying, like, you know, go be with your family, live well. It's like, but I need to make sure that I'm here um, with the apple and it's when Doreen realizes this he's like okay I understand like and, and then they say their final goodbyes and Altair locks himself in this library which is now more considered as a vault and he puts his apple on this pedestal closes it uh, you know presses a button to, to hide it and then he sits down on the couch or the chair he barely makes he, it to the chair <laughs> well it's also really dark that's why he's like feeling around because he can't can't see well, he, like he
1: can't stand up I don't know I, I, I saw he's, it more like by well, the way a, he's, he's really old, old anyway
0: so like <laughs> you can see it it's both probably
1: yeah he's 92 yeah
0: and at this point you know that's when he sits down and then you know this is when he he ultimately passes and then'll does the classic you know and pache and then this is when the the hidden door that was hiding the apple uh is activated and then yeah. which just reveals the apple
1: Yep. Now I I love this scene, right? So so Ezio finds the apple and uh, he, he like he looks at it. He's gonna grab it and he's like, you know what? I'm actually I'm actually gonna quote what he says, right? He says, "I have seen enough for one life," and and he takes off his his hidden blades, his gauntlets, and his sword and puts it down. And then he goes, uh, "I heard your name once, Desmond, a long time ago, and now it lingers in my mind like an image from an old dream." I do not know where you are, or by what means you can hear me, but I know you are listening. I have lived my life as best I could, not knowing its purpose, but drawn forward like a moth to a distant moon. And here, at last, I discover a strange truth, that I'm only a conduit for a message that eludes my understanding. Who are we who have been so blessed to shape our stories like this, to speak across centuries? Maybe you will answer all the questions I have asked. Maybe you will be the one to make all this suffering worth something in the end and then like he's speaking to desmond right like he just has a feeling and then like an image of 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 desmond appears before him and he and etsy like grabs him on the shoulder so like this whole part is it's it's so like there's so much symbolism here right like when he takes off the the gauntlets and stuff and he chooses not to touch the the apple it's like that's it i'm done i'm retiring (laughs) it's over Sophia's outside, like we already know how he feels about Sophia because he's been telling Claudia and, and he's been very hesitant. He's like, you know, I can't tell her how I feel because, uh, you know, she'll be like, her life will be in danger. I can't do that. So like, this is his retirement moment and also accepting that like, this is so huge. All of these things that we've been doing, everything that our life has been moving toward like, and ultimately I feel like I'm just a messenger, you know? And I felt I feel bad for him at that moment because he achieved so many things throughout his life and he went through so many things. And to kind of simplify it as to like, well, you know, maybe in the end I was just supposed to relay a message, but like like that's that's not really representative of, of his life <laughs> at all. But but he he that those are the words that he chooses and it's just like, it's just like, it's such a beautiful scene. And like, I know we get to see Ezio uh, later and, and, and other things, but like, this is like the last Ezio story, right? And and like, it's his goodbye moment. And when he grabs Desmond's shoulder, then that's when it activates the sync nexus and Jupiter shows up and talks to, to Desmond. But like, oh, that, that whole scene is just so, so good.
0: No, this is exactly this whole whole thing even before the library um is just it's so informative and so insightful and you know I remember talking about this before how this was the moment that kind of helped shape me into being the person that I am today It, it was this game this very this very moment where I started to think things differently and view things differently, uh, especially when I was, you know, at a relatively low point in my life. Um, but it, it was when he's with Sophia, you know, before the library, kind of backtracking here a bit. And he's talking about the creed and, uh, you know, saying how, you know, talking about their maximum of nothing is true. Everything is permitted. When he speaks this to Sophia Uh, She's she states, you know, and she comments like, oh, well, that's rather cynical. And Ezio's retort is, you know, oh, it would be if it were doctrine, but it is merely uh, an interpretation of, you know, how we view our own reality. You know, to say that nothing is true is to realize that uh, we are the shepherds of our own civilization And that to say that everything is permitted is to realize that we are the architects of our actions and that we must be willing and ready to live with the consequences of our actions, whether they're glorious or tragic. And it was during his speech right here that made me kind of view life from a different lens and kind of picked me up because I started realizing that, you know, what he was saying was, in a sense, you know relatively true because i mean if you think about uh societal norms and you think about societal expectations like those things shift and change all of the time nothing's ever constant i mean there are things that last there are things that yeah they last a while but even then like at some point in time they were never just always there
1: yeah somebody made up the words somebody made up the rules somebody changed them later somebody broke them I like to say there are no rules <laughs> I like to, I say that all the time for a lot of things and and yeah like nothing is true I, 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 it's so good and the way he explains it is it's it's true I agree I agree with you I agree with you I think especially in a world where like we can't agree on things and there's some things that we just don't know you may believe certain things but most things we just don't know so so what is true
0: and that and that's the thing like even like that's the whole point that even science is making like science states you know nothing's ever true we just can't disprove it so it's like we say you know it's gravity that keeps us on the ground like well we don't know a hundred percent that that's true but we just have yet to disprove the fact that it's gravity that it's not gravity i should say that's that's keeping us on earth Uh, I mean that that was a kind of (laughs) that was just the first thing that popped in my mind but you get what I mean like they were saying that like we can never really definitively say that something is true we can only like to a certain point we can only speculate now we can have an insurmountable amount of evidence to back up what the claim is but theories are never concrete it's just that we've got to find a way to to disprove a theory or a claim because nothing is really a constant like we said and that's kind of what Ezio is saying but he's saying it from more of a uh society standpoint like he's yeah. viewing things as like the morality of of us of, of mankind and the way we interact as a community and as a species is always shifting it's always changing and it's because of that that we need to be the ones to to guide it, to to guide it towards a prosperous future, instead of letting just a select few like the Templars, um,
1: right, right. So, so not not that the assassins are the leading, but that that individuals, like that, everyone in, as an individual is is responsible. Exactly. That's what you're saying, right?
0: Yeah. Another thing is that when everything is permitted, that yeah, you can do whatever you want. Really, but you need to be ready to live with the consequences of your actions, whether they make you a a good amount of money, whether they whether it's having a good life with a good family or it's, you know, losing a limb or losing your loved ones or, you know, being imprisoned. The consequences of your actions are yours and yours alone, and you have to be willing to live with those. With the actions that you decide to, to take in this world.
1: What is it that he says exactly after he says? Um, can you just read the whole thing again after what he says after he says the creed to Sophia?
0: Okay, so she says it's, oh, that's rather cynical. And he says, oh, it would be a favorite doctrine, but it is, you know, I, I can't remember this part, but the most important part is to say that nothing is true is to realize that the foundations of our civilization are fragile and that we must be the shepherds of, of our own civilizations. To say that everything is permitted is to realize that we are the architects of our actions and must be willing to live with the consequences, either glorious or tragic. And those words always just kind of hit me in the feels. Not like in like the I want to cry feels, but just like, wow, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And this is coming from a man that has for the most part, lived a very tragic life. You know, he lost almost his entire family in one day and spent ten, over 10 years trying to avenge their deaths. And along the way, losing so many friends and loved ones because of this this battle, this fight, that he doesn't even fully understand. And that's the whole point that he travels to Masayaf, is to, to understand what all this is for. And it's only at the end does he realize, like, listen, I'm never going to know. I'm not going to know. I'm not meant to know. And he's okay with that at the end.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he does seem to be at peace and accept that.
0: I find it a little tragic, but... It's even more tragic than Keanu Reeves. What? Because if you think about it, you really think about it. I mean, it's it's in this where... Uh, in one of the letters to Claudia... And so even states, you know, after the death of Christina, my heart grew cold and I distanced myself from all forms of relationships thinking I was never going to be able to love again. But it was because of Sophia that 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 feeling and that passion is returning to him. And then that's why he wants to spend time with her again, because the affection that he once had for Christina that was lost and taken away from him a long time ago. Is finally returning to him now as he's entering his fifties, hmm. which is also probably why he made such to be a uh, a pretty damn good assassin, because all he ever focused on was the mission at hand. He didn't have the distractions of, you know, a family, because he distanced himself from all of that. Yeah,
1: ironically, the Brotherhood is like a family, and his sister joined the Brotherhood. Exactly. <laughs> And he was very close to many people.
0: I mean, yes, but he also, but it was more of like that personal, that personal, uh, relationships that he kind of, I mean, aside from obviously Claudia and his mom, that's, they're obviously his family, but even then, remember in brotherhood, like Claudia even said, it's like, you know, listen, I've been on my own for 20 years because you've been so distant. At the beginning of Brotherhood, when he's delivering the flowers with that one woman, you know, she says, oh, from what I gather, he's distant because he rarely visits.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: You know, boom. But still, like, this game, this game itself, like, it wraps up the story so beautifully for Ezio, just in the way that he seems to be the only assassin that gets a happy ending.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely again uh, storytelling wise. I love the way the story is told. I, it's my favorite one so far because of how connected the, the part in the past is to the, to the the mystery going on right to all the uh, sci-fi elements that we're that we're seeing. Like at this point, we discover oh, Altair like embraced this technology and was using it. And it's a core part of the story in Revelations, as Ezio is moving through. So, I, I love all that all that about it. I, I mean, and over over all these years, we get to know Ezio, and I've grown very fond of Ezio <laughs> over the course of these three games. But uh, the the story itself, like this, is the one I cared the most about because it was the most personal. Right? It was like it's him. Like he's looking for answers, and he he wants to. He's looking for purpose, and in a way, he he finds it, and he also finds, like you said, a happy ending. That's oh, so good. I know I
0: didn't prepare you for this, Osoy, but I did want to talk about Assassin's Creed Embers, which isn't do, a game. I, listen, I listen. We I thought we weren't going to
1: do that until later.
0: I I, I understand, but <laughs> just because we're so caught up at Ezio right now that. You know, I... Uh, you know what? Okay. Maybe maybe I'll hold Listen, off. Listen, nothing on
1: this. is true. Everything is permitted.
0: Just go for it. All Whatever. right, all right. You do all you. Right. You know what? <laughs> Fine. I will talk about Embers because the Embers is a nice little short. Um, it's included in the Ezio Collection game um, as well as Assassin's Creed Lineage, which we kind of talked about, I think. Um, but it's not really too, too important. But this one really caps off Ezio's um, life um, and this is well after he's retired um, he's married to Sophia, has his own little vineyard has two kids and he's he's very old, like at this point he's suffering from some sort of medical condition because he's constantly coughing um, and he's visited by an assassin named Jun, and she comes from China who came to Italy along with her mentor who died trying to fend off Templars in Venice um, to seek his advice, to seek his help because the Chinese brotherhood has essentially been completely obliterated by the Chinese Templars. And it is at this point that Ezio is very like reluctant. He's like, no, I left that life behind me Um But then it's after a couple of incidences that happen when they're out in Florence doing some shopping that Ezio reluctantly uh, talks to Xiaojun and and tells her, you know, like, listen, like, you you know, there's there's, all you can really do and really have is like hope and that you just have to keep working. But you have to make sure that you do not lose your way. You don't lose yourself to the idea of vengeance or, or revenge. But that and then as she's leaving, he gives her this box and says, don't open it until you feel like you've lost your way as like a way of reassuring her that, you know, everything's going to be fine. You're more than capable assassin and you yourself are going to be able to go back and rebuild your brotherhood. And who knows, you know, she might be the next, you know, mentor, but he himself, he's old, he's young or he's old and she's still just getting started. And he doesn't really have a lot of time. And it's after this whole incident with Xiao Jun um, that after spending so much time writing and writing and writing and missing things out with his family, Sophia comes to him and says, you know, hey, we're going to go to the market. And he's like, you know, hold on. I'm going to come with you. And when he's in the market, he sits down while Sophia and his daughter run off to go pick up stuff that he's, like, you know, coughing, he's wheezing, and this young guy comes, sits down next to Ezio, and he starts talking about how the women in Florence are all, you know, they're also prude and uptight or whatever, but the women in Roma, the women in Venice, they're, like, they're so willing and ready. And this kind of, like, annoys all, uh, Ezio, and he's, like, you know, like, maybe it's not them that's the problem. And the, old, the young guy kind of looks at him and is, like, you know, like, Is there something wrong, old man? And Ezio looks at him and he stares at him and kind of realizes that like, wow, that was me when I was 17, way back, you know, before everything had started. And then the the young guy says, you know, get some rest, old man, and then leaves. And it's at this point that uh, Ezio, you know, passes away right there on that bench. It's really sad. But it it really does a nice cap off to his um to his story. Now while they're in the market and that very last scene, um, there is a voiceover of Ezio uh, talking about uh you know where he's speaking out his last letter that he was writing you know right before he left, and I can't remember the letter's wording you know you know word for word. But I, I do know that one of like the famous sayings that like is in the trailer for the the short is when he's talking to Sophia and he says, you know, I always knew that I wasn't going to have enough time to do everything, but now I fear I won't have enough time to do anything. Because he spent so much of his life as an assassin that now he's trying to live his life, but he's too old. He can't do as much. He's not as Nimble he's not as strong as he used to be. You should watch it. I have watched it
1: many many years ago.
0: You need I to watch, watch it again. That's what I'm telling you.
1: I know. Why didn't we put that on the list of things to cover this episode? It just makes mm-hmm. sense that we would have
0: because I forgot
1: what well, As long as we as long as it's it's clear to everyone that it's completely 100% your fault. I'm okay with it. Thank you for sharing the recap of Embers.
0: (laughs) I mean, it was a very bad recap because even it's been a while since I watched it. But I do remember the general gist of it. And, you know, I really just wanted to talk about that ending and kind of cap off Ezio's life so that we're not ending season one on a cliffhanger with Ezio's life. Like, okay, well, how does he die?
1: Yeah, I mean, I referred to it earlier. That's why I said when he retires, we still see him again. I was referring to Embers and... But I didn't think like, when are we gonna? When are we gonna talk about Ezio again? <laughs> 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 we don't really have that mapped out. No, did we we're... talk about Jupiter's message in the last episode?
0: Mm, I don't think we did. We? I be- I believe we did, and we kind
1: of alluded it, alluded to it here. Just in case, let's let's recap because that's it's kind of that's that important really stuff. Put, yeah, yeah, and that's the end of the game, which is when again when when Etio puts his hand on uh, Desmond's shoulder. Desmond enters the Sync nexus with Jupiter and Jupiter comes in and he's like, Oh, you know, like, Oh, these calculations are always hard for me. Can you, can you hear me cipher? He calls, he calls Desmond the cipher, right? He's referring to Desmond. Yeah. I believe, right? He's like, Oh, so, yeah, you're the cipher. And so again, he is fully aware that he is communicating with someone in the future. We kind of debated, uh, had a debate about this last time, but, uh, so we're, we're in the sync nexus and this is where Jupiter explains that the, the ones who came before, they built different vaults and at each vault, they tried to develop, they dedicated each one to developing a solution to save the world. They did it. They worked on these problems before and after the great calamity. And then all of that information that they, that they, everything that they developed, everything they found, all that data was transmitted to a central location, which do they call it the grand temple yet? I believe, I believe so. I believe this is, we we know it's the grand temple and he shows Desmond where it is. It's somewhere in New York. And he relays the message, right? We see the video of him talking about how, you know, we tried and then everything was destroyed. And he said, listen, we weren't able to do it and we don't know how it's going to be solved in the future. But we like, here's all the information that we had. I think it's important that you have it so that you can stop a second uh, calamity. So Desmond learns that it's in New York. He wakes up from from the coma he's been in through the throughout the entire game. His father's there, everybody's there, and he says, "I know where we need to go."
0: And that's the end of the game. And conveniently enough, they open up the van doors and they're already there. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Do we see that they're already there? Yeah, they open up the doors and then it kind of pans out into the into the cave. Yeah. Okay. But he he says, actually, I know what we need to do, because he knows now how to get into there and what to do once they get in there, so that he can stop stop the world from ending. Gotcha. Okay. Okay.
1: All right. Man, this this is a good place to wrap up season one of the show. This is
0: exactly. So we 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 did so many. We covered so much stuff. We talked a lot about philosophy. Yeah, not really now, a lot but <laughs> a little
1: and and I'm and I'm glad that 3 was just remastered so so I can go in I've never played 3 so I can go in and and actually play 3 in preparation for for season 2 because I want to see I want to see where this goes next
0: <gasps> exactly you got to see all the goodies there's so many goodies in there <laughs> all right well I think you're right. I think this is an excellent place to wrap off uh, season one. And again, I just want to congratulate every single initiate here, including yourself, Josue. I know you're not an initiate, but uh, I thank you very much for, for joining me in this ever-expansive task of filling out this codex, talking all about our favorite series, Assassin's Creed. Um, I, I, I cannot express enough how grateful I am that all of you guys could be here to join us. And I look forward to seeing you guys return for our next session in Season 2. Um, this time, though, you guys will no longer be initiates. You guys will now be, from this day forward, apprentices. And Josue, you are now a soldier. So congratulations. Woo! On all of your rank ups. Feels good. You guys will slowly climb up the ladder, and eventually, one day, you all will make fabulous master assassins. Feels good. Feels good. Feels really good. It does, doesn't <laughs> it? Right. All that newfound power and abilities. <laughs> <laughs> so until the next session guys take care of yourselves and if you guys ever want to reach out and talk to us you can do so on the forums at forum.geektherapy.com or you can do so also on our discord in our assassin's creed channel at geektherapy.com discord until next time guys always remember nothing is true everything is permitted